0: Good morning. So we are returning today to our, our series on our core practices after we took a kind of a break last week to engage in prayer um, as a congregation last Sunday, uh, which was um, a lot of fun to be able to do that with you. I hope that that was a meaningful experience last Sunday for you. Uh, but we, we do want to come back to our core practices this week. We did not forget about them, uh, although I do have a tendency to be forgetful. Uh, in fact, I've actually forgotten something um, that I meant to do right at the top of the service, uh, and we're just doing it now. So hang on, just a second. Uh, we want to celebrate really quickly before we dive into the sermon today. Uh, Kendall Taylor, we want to celebrate you. Kendall has been accepted to veterinary school at OSU, and we are <laughs> incredibly proud of you and happy for you. That has been something that she has been uh, working for for a while, and. Uh, uh, very, very excited. She's also excited about Isaac still, but also now excited about veterinary school as well. Uh, just want to make that, put that out there in the universe. Um, yeah, you got it. Uh, so yeah, we're returning to our, our series. We didn't forget about it, although I do have a tendency to be forgetful. I forget stuff all the time. Um, I have to write things down in my calendar and tell my phone to remind me. Of those things, does anybody else, is that a thing that you guys do? Right sometimes, yeah. Um, I forget I forget that I've told people stories. And so I like very regularly, I'll tell the same story again and again and again. Um, and uh, I imagine that that'll happen in sermons if I'm, you know, I continue to preach long-term, like you'll just get sick of all my stories. Um, and you'll just have to remind me, like you already used that illustration, Jeremiah. And I'll go, oh, okay, thank you for reminding me. I'll make a note and then I'll forget and do it again. Uh, I, my wife starts laughing, and Sarah starts laughing at me when I tell her a piece of information. When that happens, I know that it's the fourth or fifth time I've shared that with her. Um, so things just happen. We, we become forgetful people. I know that, that that never happens to the teens. You're too young to be forgetful, unless you're forgetting something that your parents told you, right? Or forgetting to turn in an assignment. They're, they're waving me off. They don't want me to acknowledge this. Okay. All right. Uh, but yeah, we become forgetful people. Uh, and we want to talk about that. We have memory problems. And so we need to practice remembering. We need to practice remembering. Uh, the, the practice of remembering is one of our core practices. Um, and, and on our website, it's kind of defined this way. It says that when we honor the past, We see that we're part of a vast communion of saints connected across time, tradition, and nationality. Remembering where we've been helps us find belonging in a long witness of faithful followers and helps us discover what God might be up to in the present time in our local context. We want to acknowledge that we are we are part of a long tradition. We want to remember that tradition. We want to remember those who have come before us. We want to remember the stories that they have told and that they have taught us. We want to be a people who practice remembering because it helps us to know where we have been, understand where we are now, and vision where we're going next. And so we remember, we do that in particular ways. We do that as a church and as individuals by spending time in the text of scripture that helps us to remember. Uh, We do that by telling stories, telling stories of the church and telling our stories to each other. We do that by participating in historical liturgical rhythms, um, things like singing our songs and sharing blessings and coming to the table and praying for one another. These are ancient practices that we continue today because they help us to remember where we have come from, where we are, and where we're going. And we do that because there is a lot to remember. In fact, there's, there's so much to remember. The Bible calls us to remember all sorts of stuff. All kinds of things are, are, are told to us, even just in the New Testament alone. Let's, let's set the Old Testament aside for just a second and do the New Testament alone because there is way, way too much. In the New Testament alone, we're told to remember specifically these things at least. We're supposed to remember that Jesus is with us That's Matthew 28. That we're supposed to remember Jesus teaching to us. That's Luke 24. We're supposed to remember that we are to be generous people. That's Acts 20. We're supposed to remember to pray with each other and remember each other in prayer. That's Romans 1 and Ephesians 1 and basically every other letter that Paul wrote in the first chapter. Uh, We're called to remember the poor. That's Galatians 2. Uh, We're called to remember that we were at one time without Christ. That is Ephesians 2. We're called to remember those in prison and those who have been tortured for the faith. That's Philippians 13. We're called to remember the instruction of our leaders. That's also uh, uh, Hebrews 13. Sorry, both of those were Hebrews 13. Uh, we're called to remember widows and orphans. That's James uh, chapter 1. We're called to remember what God has spoken through the prophets and through the apostles. That's Second Peter chapter 3. And that's just like scratching the surface. Those are just the verses that have the word remember in them. There's like lots more besides that. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot to remember in our walk with Christ. How do we, how do, we do that? How do we remember? Well, we already said it. We remember through the text by coming back to Scripture again and again and again. One of the beautiful things about Scripture is that every time um, I come to it, and maybe this is true for you too, I don't know, but for me, whenever I come to the Scripture and open it up and I, I, I remind myself of one of the stories of, of the Bible or one of the, the teachings of Jesus, I, I know that I've read it before, but it always seems very fresh to me. It always seems, um, to some degree, like there's something new there for me. Um, and I think that that is... Well, partly that might be my bad memory, but more than that, I think that's really the beauty of the scripture, that, that it's this living, breathing word of God that that has something for us every time that we engage in it. And so no story becomes just this kind of old, rote story. It, they're always fresh. They always remind us of of what is true. We remember these things by telling stories about them. I remember when I was in college, I lived in Kentucky. Uh, for a summer with my grandparents and which was fine except that my grandmother only knew five stories and in three months she told me those five stories a lot like at least once a week for for three months she would go through this series of five stories and I'm just like what is going on like she's lived this full wonderful amazing long life doesn't she have anything else to say And finally, about two-thirds of the way through the summer, because I'm a little dense, about two-thirds of the way through the summer, I began to realize that these five stories weren't the only five stories that she knew. These five stories were the five stories that encapsulated what she believed. They were the five stories about her faith. And she was trying to impart them to me. She was trying to tell me something about Jesus and about the church and about her life with them and about faith. And so we tell each other stories. Because they matter. And we we continue to be part of the the historical liturgical rhythms of the church. Of things like Ash Wednesday and Lent and Easter and Advent and Christmas. And we celebrate these things again and again and again. Because we're remembering. Because without them we'll forget. And so we, we do these things because remembering is important. It's core to who we are. And and perhaps nowhere do these three things of the text and story and liturgy come together as completely as they do at the table. It's probably the place where these three things collide in the most significant and powerful way. And so we want to talk this morning about communion just for a minute. Or for several minutes, actually, if I'm being truthful. Uh, For the rest of the sermon, we want to talk about communion. We want to talk about the Lord's Supper. The Eucharist, the table, whatever name you're familiar with it by. The church has called it by many things over time. We've understood it in many ways. Uh, We we have appreciated its significance differently throughout history and uh, by church tradition, but uh, throughout history and throughout church tradition, we have all agreed that this thing is central to who we are. Because it's here that the text of Scripture And the story of Jesus and the story of the church and the liturgy that binds us together collide in the most significant way. It's a story that is retold and reenacted as often as we come to the table. For us, that's weekly. For other church traditions, that's different. But every time we come, we are retelling and reenacting this story, This uh, what may be the earliest piece of our liturgy. And Paul talks about it very significantly in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, in the middle of a letter that is written to a church that is getting absolutely everything wrong. Um, Seriously, if you ever want to feel good about yourself, read 1 Corinthians, because they're a mess. Um, And in, in 1 Corinthians, this church that Paul has planted is really kind of wrestling and kind of struggling Uh, They can't seem to get their act together, and Paul has to come and correct them uh, pretty strongly on several matters, and one of them happens to be uh, communion. And it's so important that he spends time talking about what it is and what it means and even how to participate in it to a degree. And so we want to take a look at those verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Um, If you want to follow along on the wall behind me, you can, or in uh, your Bible, we're going to pick up in 1 Corinthians 11, beginning with verse 23, and read through verse 33 and this is in the middle Paul has actually said uh, prior to this that like he is pretty disappointed with the Corinthians because they're getting communion wrong and so this is his corrective teaching he now begins to to teach them uh, the right way to approach the Lord's supper he says this he says for I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be answerable for the body and blood of the Lord. Examine yourselves, and only then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For all who eat and drink without discerning the body, eat and drink judgment against themselves. For this reason, many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Or that, that last phrase, wait for one another, may be something more like see one another or recognize one another. Uh, this communion that, that is on the table, this, this table that we come to week in and week out... Um, is powerful it is the thing that helps us to remember who we are and the story that we are telling communion uh, first of all helps us to remember Christ's story again and again and again we come to the table and again and again and again we remember the story of Jesus we remember that he was crucified we remember that he was buried we remember that he was raised to life again Paul walks us through how vitally important the story is. In fact, he begins by saying, I received this directly from the Lord himself. That's how much weight he gives to this, that, that somehow um, Paul believes that, that his instruction about communion is more than just something that's been handed down from the other apostles, that it has come directly from God himself, directly from Jesus. And it's so important that he actually quotes Jesus uh, here, if you had to guess, if anybody had to guess how many times in all of his letters Paul quotes Jesus, what would you think I'm curious how how many times do you think Paul quotes Jesus in his letters? Lots anybody want to try put a number on it? Five anybody want to go more than five? you'll take the over on that <laughs> one time in- all of Paul's letters, he quotes Jesus exactly one time. It's right here. This is how important this is. That Paul quotes Jesus himself and says, this is what Jesus said and what Jesus did on the night that he was betrayed. We remember. We remember the words of Jesus. We remember that that meeting in that room. We remember the twelve. We remember the the argument about who's greatest, they can't let that go. We remember Jesus washing their feet. We remember Judas leaving to go do his dastardly work. We remember Peter adamantly proclaiming that he'll never betray Jesus. We remember the bread. We remember the cup. We remember Christ saying that a new covenant has come. We remember his death and we remember his resurrection. Paul uh, writes about this in in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He says that that we are to remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, that this is Paul's gospel. That his death and resurrection is, is the good news. And communion helps us to remember that. If we ever forget what's at the core of our faith, We come to the table again and remind ourselves. This is who we are. This is where we've come from. This is what we believe that Jesus was crucified and that he rose again, and that in that he secured for us forgiveness of sins and the promise of eternal life. And that's magnificent. In communion, we remember Jesus' story, and in communion, we remember our story too, that we have a part to play in this story. We remember that 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 communion is an ongoing thing. We're not just reenacting something from long ago, but we're participating in it anew every time we come to the table, and we remember that we are a part of the story. Examine yourselves, Paul says, examine yourselves. Because this is important. When we come to the table if we're if we're not ready, if we haven't examined ourselves, we we're in danger. I know we don't think of the community table as a particularly dangerous place, but Paul seems to think that it's, it's powerful, that there's something powerful happening here that we need to be respectful of, that we need to be aware of, and that we need to examine ourselves before we come. We need to remember who we are, who we used to be, who Christ has called us to be and is helping us to become. Um, there's a, a, a singer... Uh, by the name of Stephen Curtis Chapman. Uh, anybody remember or know Stephen Curtis Chapman? Several of you? Um, that's not enough hands. I'm sad. Um, really, really great music and great musician. And one of the that, that I really love of his, he has this line that kind of bounces around in my head from time to time that says, remember your chains. And remember that your chains are gone. Like that's the essence of communion. To remember who we were. To remember that we were bound up by our sin. To remember that that because of our sin, we were separated from God. And then to remember what God did with that. That he removed that from us. That he freed us from those things. We remember every time we come to the communion, our baptism. We remember that we have put on Christ. We're only baptized once. We come to communion again and again and again to remember that. To remember that we're new people. That we ourselves in the pattern of Jesus have died and been buried and have risen again. And we remember that our story is not an individual story. Too often I think growing up I thought of communion as a very individual thing. Like it was quiet time, everybody was quiet, and you had your thoughts, right? Um, which is totally fine. We're going to do that in a few minutes. But communion is also something we do together. That's why it has that name, communion, communal, community. Like those words all, all go together, right? Communion is not just about me, it's about us. It's not just an individual exercise or practice it's something we do together Paul says that that part of our examining of self is recognizing the body recognizing the whole body when we come to communion we're to remember each other we're to recognize each other's story and we're to recommit to being a part of each other's story to remember we're not alone in this and to make sure that everyone else knows they're not alone in this too When we come to communion we even recognize beyond this room the body of christ that there is a body of christ down the street that's meeting and another one down the street from there and more across the city and more across the state and the nation the continent the hemisphere the world we remember that we have brothers and sisters who are coming to tables all over the world whose faces we don't know and whose names we've never learned, but they're still part of us. And we celebrate with them and we celebrate for them. And we also pray for them because we have brothers and sisters who are coming to the table in secret places and in dangerous places. We have brothers and sisters who are coming to the table behind bars in prisons in whatever way they can with, with whatever meager substance they can find. Reenacting and remembering Jesus in their own way, with their own words and their own music. We remember that we are part of something so much bigger than ourselves. We remember our story. We don't leave anyone out, which is, of course, one of Paul's like big things with the the Corinthian church, is why he's writing this letter. apparently the Corinthian church is made up of two kind of groups of people like most early churches a free a group of free people and a group of enslaved persons and the free people would come to the house and they would celebrate and they would eat and they would drink even apparently to the point they were getting drunk and then later on like when they could the enslaved people would trickle into the house and nothing would be left for them and 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 brothers and sisters would just be like apparently passed out in church um which is, you know, a whole other thing. Uh, and Paul says, no, you're not, you're not waiting for each other. You're not recognizing each other. You're not, you're not seeing each other. You're only thinking of yourselves. And how guilty am I of that? How guilty are we of that again and again that, 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 that our focus becomes ourselves? And I think that that's pretty, pretty normal for humanity and communion reminds us that it can't be. Communion reminds us that our story is bigger than ourselves. That my story includes you and your story includes each other and our story includes other believers in other places and it's all tied into the story of jesus and so we come to the table and we remember i should note by the way that there is a difference between remembering and reminiscing reminiscing is fully located in the past it's reliving the good old days, and perhaps even longing for them. But remembering at the communion table is different. We do look backwards at the communion table. We do remember Christ, but we also look forward at the communion table. Our remembering at the communion table prepares us for what's coming next. Our remembering prepares us to proclaim this story. Paul says this, that as often as we do this, as often as we eat the bread in remembrance of Christ, and as often as we drink the cup in remembrance of Christ, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We are a, a people of proclamation. We're a people who, who are excited to share the story, not just reminisce on the story, not just wish for the old days but to proclaim that something new is coming into the world and people can be a part of it we proclaim the lord's death and his resurrection communion prepares us for that when we come to the table we are filled up with this meal perhaps not physically but definitely spiritually when we come to this table we are taking in christ in 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 this beautiful, mystical, spiritual way that that no one fully understands. We are taking in Christ again. We are letting him fill us so that we're ready for the week ahead. Because, man, by the time I get here on Sunday, I'm burnt. Is that true for anybody else? Like, your week's been hard. Whether it's, it's work, kids, friends, marriage, singleness politics news whatever it is like by the time i get here on sunday i am i'm i'm low energy but somehow by the time i leave here on sunday i end up being high energy why is that partly it's due to the table because we're taking in christ together we're 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 telling ourselves the story again and it's it's a good story it's a really good story. It's the best story we've ever heard. It's the most wonderful story, the most true story, the most powerful story that exists, the story of Jesus and us. So we take in his body and we take in his blood so that we can be those things in the world, so that we can be Jesus as we go, so that we can, so that we can share his love, his words, his hope, his grace, with the world around us. And even as we remember, we remember that there's work to do. And remembering fuels us for that work. Communion Connects us to something so much bigger than ourselves, connects us to the story of Christ and to each other and to the church around the world and to the church throughout history. It prepares us for the mission that we've been called to, it prepares us for the work, it prepares us for the days ahead. Communion has looked different throughout the centuries, it has been understood differently in different church traditions, but we have always centered ourselves around it, and it has always been centered. On remembering and proclaiming. And that's core to who we are as a church. We believe that one of the things we've been called to do is remember. Not not just to remember and reminisce and wish for the old days, but to remember in preparation for the work that we have in store for us. And communion helps us do that, to remember and to proclaim. And the first church that ever existed, changed the world by doing this, by remembering Jesus and by proclaiming him. That was it. They had had no programs. They had no TV ads. They had no merchandise. They had no t-shirts with slogans on them. Nothing like that. All they had was this and each other. Thank God we still have that. We're going to take advantage of that right now. We want to move into a time of communion. We want to to remember. We want to remember and be filled up with remembering Christ. To Be filled up with what He has done for us. To be filled up by His grace. By the beauty of His salvation. We want to be filled up with with a remembrance of the new covenant that we get to be a part of. We want to be filled up by remembering each other, by remembering that we're not alone. We do not have to move through this life by ourselves, that there is a body, a community that surrounds us, to love us, to help us, to give us grace, uh, to, to, to help move us forward. And so we come to the table, and we remember those things, and we're prepared For the work that is ahead of us so in in just a second we're going to open up uh, our time of communion you can come as you choose when you are ready um, to receive communion Um, go back to your seat pray take your communion we're gonna we're gonna do that um, at your own speed today uh, instead of all together but before we do that um, it's important for us i think to engage in our own liturgy the thing that we do week in and week out as we come to the table. We remember who we were. We remember who Christ is and who he's calling us to be. And so as we come and, and we prepare ourselves to eat this bread which is Christ's body broken for us and drink this cup which is his blood of the new covenant poured out for us, I invite you to, um, to remember and to proclaim and to say these uh, words, our confession together So, if you are willing and able, would you please join me uh, in the confession that we all share together? Most merciful God, we confess against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart, we have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We are truly sorry and humbly repent for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. Have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. When you are ready, please come and receive the Lord's Supper.